All right. Thanks, Jasmine. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, and then, and then we'll begin. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, creativity and the arts and this powerful tool in, uh, in music that you use to help us to draw near to you, even, even effortlessly. And we are blessed, Lord, that, uh, that we have um, such a community, Lord, that, that has a desire to worship you. I just pray that you remind us that as we talk about the mission of God, God that it always begins um, with adoration, Lord. It begins with worship for you. So like, may you be the center as we talk about these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so yesterday, somebody tell me what we talked about. What, what would you have called uh, the title of the sermon yesterday? The mission of God, what? Timeline, yeah, timeline is good. What else? What else did you guys pick up from the mission of God, what? What? Say it again, I'm sorry. Not stealing the glory of God, yeah, glory from God, right? Missions, not stealing glory from God. What'd you say, April or Heather? Heather? Adoration, mission of God begins with adoration, that's a good one, right? What else? It's not about you. Yes, that's, that's what I would hear. The mission of God isn't about you. It isn't about you. All right, so today we're going to talk about how the mission of God is about you. <laughs> no, no. Okay, to clarify, it's going to be the mission of God continues with you. And I'm going to call it the battle of the heart. All right, this is the battle of the heart, okay? The mission of God, mission of God continues with you. All right, so first I need some group participation, okay? To show me that you're ready, raise your right hand. Just your right hand. Right hand. All right, ra raise your left hand. All right, and then do the wave, starting from this side. The wave. All right, all right. What was, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> what, uh, talk to me about what you learned or observed today about doing ministry. And just being straight up honest, what did you learn or observe today by, yeah, Heather. Patience, explain. Give us some context. Right. So um, you, uh, you guys broke into teams to go and knock on people's doors or tell people to come, and then people started gathering. So patience. It was, it was kind of nerve-wracking a little bit, right? Because uh, I know that Christy, one of her fears was that no one would show up. Right, Christy? <laughs> she was like, I was full of faith, never. <laughs> what else? Learned or observed today doing ministry? There's not a wrong answer. It's hard. <laughs> Give me context. Give me context. Give me context, Robin. Say it again. The stuff that you're doing may not be usual. Like I think it was just plain object. Right. <laughs> Robin's like, it was a lose-lose situation. <laughs> kids are heavy stuff. Kids are Yeah, you guys had to move like these stage extensions or something like that, right? Super heavy, like a ton of them. Like literally a ton, like a ton, like actual ton. What? What'd you say? All the props, right. And it was really dusty, right? Some of you guys have as asbestos poisoning, right? Um, Tamin, you were going to say something? Can you say... Can you can you say that can you say that again can you say that again for everybody over here? <laughs> Kyung's trying to take credit. Uh, Taman, say that again over here. 
Right. Okay. Give me context. What did you see? Right. Uh, they were a white community, mm -hmm. and I guess uh, I just wanted to use their head. He said that since it was a white community, they reached out to the people because the community is 33% African American, I guess 93%, 95%. Right. And they didn't reach out, so. And that's kind of what was left of the church, right? Right. Uh, Andy, you did you raise your hand or Samuel? Oh wait, Josh. Uh -huh. And two African Americans that stayed at that church, the rest of the church was like, why are you here? Oh, yeah. And they were just being faithful because they knew God was going to use them, them to restore the church back to how it should be. And what was happening was the rest of the church just left and just gave up. They were the only two there, and now they're starting to build that church back up. So we were being able to be used by God. So it's like, <sighs> That's crazy. Uh, something I was thinking about, and this has nothing to do with anything, but I'm just excited because of what you guys are saying. Um, something that's really cool is Ray Lynn and her group, Julian, right, their car. Yesterday, you guys stopped at Big Bucks. Is it Big Bucks? Um, Market. And the guy has, like, this really uh, deep heart for the kids in this community, right? And then I was looking up statistics on this area where our church is at. And it's like, uh, well, Augusta is like the 5% um, in the top 5% of all highest crime in the entire country. Um, welcome to Augusta, it's Augusta, um, and, uh, and, and like, it, you know, it's like 73% uh, in our neighborhood alone is under the poverty line, um, huge, 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 uh, like 10 or 11% of our neighborhood is African, not African-American, actual African-African, like from Africa, um, and Sub-Sahara, isn't that interesting? And that's 10%. Uh, I think Sub-Saharan was like 11%. So it's a big population of Afri a literal Africans living in our neighborhood in this area. It's pretty neat. Um, and so I was thinking about that and then thinking about Eddie when I met Eddie today. And I was like, hey, you're the Eddie on the card. He's like, yeah, nice to meet you. And he had just come. What was his story? He just moved here from, from, is that a sign? <laughs> okay, anyway. He moved here from Charleston, just hopped up, right, with his, moved his family, felt like he was called by God to come and be a part of this ministry and planting this church. And there's another pastor, Spanish-speaking pastor, right? And he, they're, they're, they're coming? To come as a, one of the church planters. Right, and to plant a, a Spanish-speaking congregation. This, this whole mission center is just an idea of that, that uh, you know, they're trying to develop an idea of having the church planters Right. A lot of the churches, so-called white churches, are dying. Right. Because the demographics change. Right. They're not changing with them. They're not opening their doors. Right. They're opening the people up different ways. Right. Just exactly what Tammy was talking about. The, remember we were talking about uh, why churches die? Not growing with the community and not, not reaching out to communities. Huge. What else? What else did you learn? You get rejected a lot. Uh, Sang had somebody cuss at him, right? Yeah. He just has this, like, he, he has shifty eyes. Sang has shifty eyes. They didn't, no, they didn't even open the door. They didn't even look at you, right? Yeah. He's like, at least look at me if you're going to say bad words. What else? Who else? What else have you learned or observed?
Did you feel, oh, Freddie, tell me what you got. Your moving stuff is tiring, right? Yeah, that's why you guys should all, that's why you should all do CrossFit. What were you going to say, Heather? Uh, I wanted to like, like, ordinary people are really extraordinary. Mm. Right. Right. And um, like since we're our our focus is kids, like we're gonna give them everything off of them. But then um, like they're supposed to be heavy things, so we went to the bulk gym, and then like we ended up training for them for everything, and it was really awesome because like they were just so like welcoming, and they're the most ordinary people you'll ever see. Right. That's awesome. Did you guys ever feel like every second of every day was as, as life-altering as you want it to be? Did you feel like you were like the great big hope of the nations as you were moving those big stages and those props and serving kids goldfish and dancing in 100-degree weather or trying to back up a trailer that kept turning to the side? Did you, feel like, did you feel like you were changing the world in those moments? <laughs> so he was like, yeah, backing up that trailer. <laughs> the earth shook. The answer is no, right? He felt pretty ordinary, right? And, and I, I, think, I think the problem with missions, right, the way we do missions, the way the church does missions since the 1960s, short-term missions like we do it right now is a brand new thing. I know you guys think the 60s is a long time ago, but it's really not that long time, long time ago. But 60s, uh, an organization called Youth with a Mission was born, Operation Mobilization, all these other groups. And all of a sudden, people started to travel all over the world for like one week or two week intervals. They're called short-term missions, right? And what these mission organizations tried to do is they tried to craft a certain type of feel. And I think we followed into this too. We want, when we go on a mission trip, we want to feel a certain way. We want to think that the work that we do matters, right? That we're changing something, that we feel like we've earned it. And, and there's a recipe. I have the recipe. I know exactly what it takes to make you guys feel like you have a good mission trip. You want me to tell it to you? Number one, variety of missions, right? Team unity, like missions is like variety of uh, ministry, Robin. Variety mission, uh, uh, ministry, right? Um, what, what was the second thing I said? What? Oh, community. What? No, unity. Team unity, right? Having a good, healthy team, right? Three, good food. Adequate sleep, right? Because people that, uh, mission teams that come and they don't sleep well or eat well, they, they hate the trip even if it's awesome. Even if people are like rising from the dead. Like, they'd just be like, this is too hard. I can't do this anymore. So eating and sleeping are probably one of the big hallmarks. It's really, really important. You have to feed them well and give them good sleep, right? Third thing, uh, fourth thing, uh, they, fe- they have to be tired when they get home. They have to feel like they did something, like work-wise, exhausted. Not just, just going around praying for people, but they wanted to feel like they did something significant. Yeah. First one was uh, a variety of ministry. They want to see things. Right? That's the, that's the, this is what every uh, short-term missions uh, organization tries to feed you. Now, the problem is whether or not you are actually capturing the heart of missions when you do these things. When we're done here, when you go back and you think, you know, like you, somebody says, hey, how was this mission trip? It is very, very easy for us to say, oh, it was okay. 
Oh, why was it okay? Well, we didn't see like hundreds of people come to the Lord. Right? Oh, we didn't see this, or this is what I wanted to see, but we didn't see this. And we have this kind of idea of what missions is supposed to be like. Oh, well, we didn't really work that hard. Right? We have this, this idea, and so we start to take our cues on whether or not something is good when it comes to missions according to these four criteria that I tell you that everybody sells you as short-term missions. What's the problem with that when we talk about the mission of God? For 100 points. What is the problem with that? It's about us. We become consumer missionaries. You know what a consumer is? Something that consumes that eats, that digests, right? If you go to the store and you buy a pair of sneakers, you are a consumer because you just took those shoes. You paid for those shoes. You paid for a good. You paid for a service, and it's not yours. We become a consumer. Missions, we give you, we give this mission organization $1,000 to go on a trip, and they have to provide us with a service. Variety of ministry, good teamwork, feeling like we work hard but have good food and sleep. And if we have all those criteria, then we come back and we say, missions was life-changing. And we begin to look for missions or that type of experience everywhere in our life, and we find them only in certain occasions. We don't find them when. For 500 points. Julian, it's a lot of pressure. 500 points. Five mythical points. 500 mythical points. What? Where do we not find these experiences? Back home, every day in our life. <laughs> Mino got 500 points. What are you going to do with all those points? <laughs> Cash them in. <laughs> we do not find, listen, listen, we do not find these experiences every single day in our life. Thus, it leads us not to live the mission of God daily. Does that make sense? That is the problem. When we have a consumer mentality about missions and we are fed a certain type of trip, a certain type of experience, then we all of a sudden think that's our paradigm. This is what we need to have for us to actually do missions. If it doesn't look, smell, or, or act like that, then we're not doing missions and then therefore we're not going to invest in it. Therefore, you stop living the mission of God until you go on a mission trip with your church. And then you will become 20, 25. I remember that time. I went to Nicaragua. It was the most amazing trip in the world. And I, I was the closest I ever been to the Lord. And I really felt like I did some ministry. You were fed. You paid for ministry. You paid for an experience. Real missions has nothing to do with any of those things. Real missions has a lot more to do with what you experience today than that experience. Those hard mission trips where it just, it just sucks. <laughs> you had, what was it Robin? Was it Robin? That's that? You had either had kids, had to deal with kids, or lifting heavy stuff. That's how missions really generally is. If you ask Eddie, who's living a life of missions, right, what his life is like every day, what do you do every day? Do you raise people from the dead? Uh, no, I haven't really done that. Well, what do you do? Well, I just I really pray that God would show up and that this church would be born. So I spend a lot of time praying. Oh. That's cool. We pray too, yeah. What else do you do? Do you do anything else? Well, I try to get youth groups to come and move stuff out of the classrooms. Oh, well, that sounds cool, but what else do you do? And it doesn't line up to the, the, the program that you think it is. I remember when I first started going on a ton of mission trips. You know what I thought? I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. You know why? Because I was fed a product. 
My ministry experience, I traveled to India, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, Cambodia, Laos. I traveled to all these countries, right? And I was like, this is amazing. But you know who, when I started talking to the church planners and becoming their friends, you know what I realized? It wasn't amazing. They, I was like, uh, one girl, she lived in Jordan with her husband and two kids, three kids, two kids at the time. And I said, hey, what do you do like on a daily basis? Well, in the morning I wake up and then I plan my menu, like what I'm going to cook for that day. I'm like, okay, that's exciting. All right, what else do you do? Then I go to the market, and then I buy a live chicken. Okay, I don't like where this is going. What do you do with a live chicken? Well, then I go and have somebody butcher it, right, and then pluck the chickens, and they hand me this chicken. Okay, so this is like hour three? Yeah, yeah, about hour three. All right, and then, then what do you do? Well, then I get it home, and then I cut it, and I butcher it into little pieces. And then I save some of it, and I put it in the refrigerator. All right, I'm starting to see a trend. All right, so hour four, what do you do? Well, then I start cooking the chicken. And then I make some side items and stuff like that. Hour five, okay, well, by then, it's dinner time. And, you know, my husband, he comes home. Well, what did he do all day? Well, he just went to the post office, and it took him like seven hours or something like that. I'm like, so what, do you raise people from the dead? Do you lead people, millions of people to the Lord? Well, well no, I just, well, I cooked the chicken. <laughs> my family ate. And we, and like last month, we got to talk to a guy about Jesus, and he didn't want to hear anything about it. And Wait, this is your life? Yeah, that's, that's what we do. That doesn't sound at all like what we do when we go on mission trips. Well, it's, it's not. This is not what real missions, mission trips do, or real missionaries do. And all of a sudden, it started to blow my mind that how I live here in the United States is exactly how I will live overseas if I become a missionary. So if I'm not reaching out and ministering to people and constantly thinking the mission of God every single day in my moment in my life, when I see somebody come up and she's crying and I want to ask why, maybe for my wife to ask why because she's a woman, you know, but like I see somebody in need and I try to reach out for that need and try to help in that need. If I don't do that here in the States, what I will not do it overseas. Thus, I will be living a fake consumeristic mentality of missions. I will not be living the genuine thing and I will not be changing people for real. That's what's so hard about missions is that we try to create this program here. And part of the reason why I love that we're in our church is because it's not exciting. You guys probably didn't come here because we were going to the mountains. Because we're here in Augusta. I mean, Heather came. She came out of town. She's like, ooh, Augusta. It's better than Charleston. Wait, Charleston has the beach. <laughs> you didn't come here for excitement. I love that part. I love that you're sleeping on the floor in our church because this is probably what real missions is more like. It's not exciting. It's not adventuresome. Things don't go right. If 15 people didn't or 20 people, 21 people didn't show up in the VBS today, that's what real missions is like when you live the mission of God and it's no longer a consumeristic product where some organization's trying to sell it to you. Do you see what I'm saying? I want to show you a video. Can you show us that video? This is the frog video that I was telling you guys about yesterday. I hope you like it. But this is the, the frog video shows us an idea of what we think about when we think about missions. Go ahead. So good that you could be doing more, that the world is falling apart at the seams, and all you've been doing is yelling. 
yoga. <laughs> One day you see that the rainforest is being destroyed at a staggering rate of 32 million acres a year. That's the equivalent of one football field every 78 seconds. You feel bad, angry, guilty. You've been apathetic for too long. You want to do something about it. You must do something about it. Well, this is what you're not going to do. You're not going to quit your job, leave your family, get on the next flight to Nicaragua, take a bus to the edge of the jungle, then hoof it across rivers, lakes, and streams on a quest to the very heart of the rainforest. Speaking to the heart of the rainforest. You're getting closer. You're almost there. You have a ride. You're not going to ingratiate yourself with the local tribesmen and go to great lengths to earn their respect and trust. No, 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 no! It is around now you realize you're living out the cliché gringo fantasy of becoming an honorary native and leading the resistant forces. But screw it. If they can do it, so can you. I'm gonna save you! <laughs> Manuk, you can turn it off. You can turn it off. Yeah, it's a three-minute-long commercial, but it was worth it, right? How many? How many of you guys have seen that? Yeah, it makes you. It, it makes you think, right? It makes you think in terms of missions, right? That you're going to be the great big hope of the world, but that's not realistic, right? Nor do people need you to be that big, great big hope. But what they do need you to be, according to the Bible, is that you live the mission of God every single day of your life. All right, so let's talk about a passage. James 2, open up your Bible, James 2, 14 through 18. James 2, 14 through 18. Now this is a tough passage. This is a tough passage. This is James 2, 14 through 18. You can turn off the projector. This is a tough passage because some people read this and they think they need works to be saved. All right, so listen to it and tell me what you guys think. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Let's listen to that last part again. Show me your faith apart from works, and I will show you my faith by my works. What is, what is James trying to say? What is James trying to say? Anybody? You guys have heard this passage probably your whole life. 
What is James trying to say? Just really simply. What is James trying to say? It's okay if you're wrong. We won't humiliate you or laugh. Anybody, give it a shot. What is James trying to say? Josh? Oh, no, Heather? Let's give Heather a shot. Go for it, Heather. Right, that's exactly right. It's really as simple as that. If you really have faith, you're going to have works. If you really have the faith, you're going to have the works. We talk a lot in our youth group about growing in Christ. I feel like I, I was telling Hian today, I feel like I tell you guys the same things every, every week. Grow in the Lord, grow in the Lord. I just tell you like in different ways, right? Grow in the Lord, grow in the Lord. But this is that, is, this is that thing. I feel like some of you guys, have you guys ever uh, been pregnant? Good. Huh? It, except for my wife, right? <laughs> have you ever had anything stuck in your birth canal? Good. I'm glad. My wife has. Now, this is what happens. This is what happens. Um, our first baby, Josiah, right? How long, did it, how long were you in labor? 24 hours. Do you know what labor means? <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what labor means? Besides work. And, and holidays. <laughs> Labor Day, get it? Labor is when your body is actively trying to push out another human being. So my wife had Josiah in her belly, right? And her body no longer wanted Josiah in her belly. And so it began to actively push it out. But it wouldn't come out. It was stuck in the birth canal. <laughs> Max is like, that's how it happens? Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, you guys had sex ed in sixth grade, right? All right, good. All right. Fifth grade? Fourth grade? Third grade? Okay, you'll figure this out later. <laughs> Don't just like, I never, I skipped that entire week. All right, this is the deal. This is the deal. Babies come out of mommies, okay? But some, for some reason, for some reason, babies don't want to come out, okay? And they get stuck there. Not really stuck, but... Basically, it feels like they don't want to come out, like they're gripping everything they can, right? <laughs> and the baby's, the body's, the mama body's like, get out, no, you can't make me, right? That's what it's kind of like. When, okay, now I'm going to bring this back to Jesus, okay? When you get saved, right? A lot of you guys have prayed a prayer or have this feeling where Jesus just shows up in your life and you're like, oh, that's it, I'm going to follow Jesus. That is your birth. A lot of times people think, oh, well, that's all I needed. That's all I need. I just, I just, I just get saved, and then I'm happy ever, happily ever after. I'm going to heaven. Yay! Right? But James here is, is concluding that you may think that you were born. You may think, right? You may think that that salvation, that moment of salvation where you prayed the sinner's prayer or had an altar call or did this, this or that, you met Jesus, right? That that, that was your salvation, but your life has no work. There's no obedience to it. There's no following. There's no discipleship happening. You're stuck in the birth canal. I won't come out of here. I want to stay an embryo. Right? Or a fetus. Uh, infant. <laughs> okay. 
I want to say a child. <laughs> right? You're stuck, in, you're stuck in the birth canal. I'm, I'm using graphic terms because then you were like, you remember that sermon about the birth canal? Yeah, that, Max was like, that was traumatizing. <laughs> I don't remember what he was talking about, but <laughs> he said that Josiah was stuck <laughs> for 24 hours. <laughs> uh, he was. It, was 20, it took 24 hours, right? But this is the deal. You're guys. Who cares? I mean, like, <laughs> I was having a great time. <laughs> I was like eating nachos. <laughs> I'm like, let's get a move on, honey. <laughs> That's all a lie, honey. I just was just saying. I was actually in the tub with her. <laughs> Ask me about that later if you want to know. Um, but oftentimes you guys are stuck in the birth canal. You refuse to grow. You think that this is it. You think that life is that birth canal, but it's not. When you come out of that life, it requires so much from you. Right? Because if that was the case in life, just think about it in terms of life, not even as Christianity. If you were born and did not do anything, didn't struggle, didn't fight, didn't learn, didn't love, didn't trust, didn't hope, right? All of these terms that we use. If you did none of these things, you would be far from a complete person. You would be far from a real life. Right? But we do that in our faith. I'm teaching you that when you live the mission of God every single day, I'm not going to say it's easy. Just like when you were born, it was really hard. Like, I, one of my favorite times, because I've experienced this five times, but my kid, there comes a time in a child's life when it, it's like a, a, an infant. It has no ideas, no concept, and it's just like big eyes. It just stares at everything, right? And I love it when its, when its hands just go over its face, and it's like this. He's like, what the heck is that? It's like hands, <laughs> and they're like this. And, then, and they're not, they have no idea they're controlling their hands, right? So their hands are just kind of waving, and sometimes it'll just come in front of their face, and they'll, they'll follow it. They'll be slowly shocked, right? So as babies, right, you guys are going to have to move. You guys are going to have to go sit in the back or something. What is that? Why is Kyung giving Kelly your phone? Ada, go sit down in the back, please. No, okay. That's good. Go. She was stuck for a long time, too. No, she wasn't. How long was she? She was like 10 minutes. Four hours. Oh, 10 minutes plus four hours. I'm like eating nachos again. Like, come on. <laughs> Actually, those are fourth. But anyway, okay. So, 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 so. <laughs> so oftentimes, right, we think as Christians, we think of Christians that, that whenever we've been born, whenever we've been saved, that's all that we need to do. But it's not. God has called us far deeper, and he continues to ask us more and more. If you've known anything by sitting in our youth group, is that God asks from us a lot. But this is the thing, right? Remember yesterday, what did we say missions begins, the, the, the mission of God begins with what? Adoration. When we have this concept in our heart, all of a sudden it doesn't become sacrifice. And I think I mentioned this on Monday or some other, or Sunday or some other time, but I was talking about being faithful to my wife is not a sacrifice. Because there is adoration, there is uh, not so much worship, but I adore my wife. I love my wife. It's not a sacrifice when she asks me to do this or do this or do this, right? Now, there's some things that I don't want to do that she asked me to do, and I'll do it anyway because I love her. Like dishes. I don't like doing dishes, but I'll do dishes. Vacuum the floor. Clean the carpet. Um, discipline our kids. I hate disciplining our kids. Well, okay, sometimes I like it, but, <laughs> right? But she'll ask me to do those things, and it's not a sacrifice. It's the same thing with the Lord. Right? But there has to be this understanding in your mind right, that you are not okay just sitting where you are, stuck in the birth canal. 
I hear more often than not, and I get this, man, I get your upbringing, but I hear this thing where you're just like, I have a hard time praying. I have a hard time reading the Bible. I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't study the Bible. Those are the absolute fundamentals. Those are like walking. Those are, that's like breathing. That's like when your hands come in front of your face, oh, you're like, oh, that's my hand. Right? That's the basic, basic stuff. Now, some of you guys are like, well, that's just where I am. It's not because you aren't able or capable. It's because you don't have this concept where I want to grow. I want to continue to grow in my adoration for the Lord. I don't want to stay in the same place that I am. Mission of God is terrifying. It is. I get it. Mission of God, waking up and, and looking for ways to minister to your school friends. If you ride the school bus, thinking about a person that you can sit next to if they allow you to sit wherever you want. Offering to pray for one of your friends in school. I know that's all terrifying, but this is all a part of growth. Some of this stuff, and I, 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 and I do this a lot, I, I, I share grace a lot because you need to understand salvation comes by grace. It's not because of anything you did. But the fruit of your salvation, the, the coming out of the birth canal, is your whole life being dedicated to the Lord. And so I, I preach grace a lot because the Bible preaches grace a lot. But then James here talks about works. I will show you my faith by my works. You say you have faith, but you have no works. James says, that's wrong. So that means part of your faith is not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. It means that you grit your teeth and you spend time praying. And I know that probably sounds counterintuitive because you're just like, but isn't it a love relationship, isn't it? Yeah, but there are times when you are weak. Remember, like we were talking about how fickle human beings are, how wishy-washy we are. One minute we want pho, the next minute we want KFC, the next minute we want Taco Bell, the next minute we want to eat at home, right? Next minute you like this girl, next minute you like that girl, next minute you like this girl, right? You love this television show, or you love these shoes, but now you love something else. We're so fickle. Our emotions change like that, especially hormonal teenagers. One second you're happy, everything's great, and then you're angry and shouting and slamming the door, and you don't know why. And you cry, and like, I don't know why I'm crying. I've had many conversations like that with you guys, where you're just like, I don't know why I'm crying, I'm sorry. I know why you're crying. Chemicals. <laughs> Hormones. I get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there are times when you have to just grit your teeth because you know this is what it's going to take. If you are going to be a supreme athlete, right, meaning somebody that is going to succeed in some way or form. I know jujitsu, right? So in my gym, there's a, guy, a lot of guys that train MMA, mixed martial arts, UFC. They want to beat people up. You know what they do? They train two, three times every single day. And they eat chicken breast and uh, broccoli plain. And they drink a gallon of water. And they just eat six meals a day and that's what they do they lift weights they do crossfit they do kickboxing they do wrestling and they do jujitsu every single day like six days a week as much as their body can handle it's crazy right now would you say that that career that athletic career in which they've poured their life into would save their life maybe physically right maybe if they got into a street brawl but would it save their soul like in front of Jesus on Judgment Day, you, you're sitting there on the throne. And he's like, hey, what, what's up? 
well, let me tell you all the things that I've accomplished. And all the amount of energy poured into that thing. And yet, for us, who consider ourselves Christian, that we have a Savior, a God who came down from heaven, right, took earthly form, and actually sacrificed himself on the cross for our, our salvation, our sin, to be with him for eternity because of his great love. And he knows exactly what we've been through all our entire lives, loves us deeply, and will do anything to make sure that we are with him forever. And yet, we can't pray, read the Bible, tell somebody about Jesus. We can't lay our career before God and saying, hey, Jesus, show me where you want me to go. Tell me what you want me to do. Right? That's kind of the stark reality. This is not a, an emotional message. This is just like, a, hey, let's, let's be honest with ourselves. If you say that you have faith and your life is stuck in the birth canal, That's something you got to deal with. If an MMA fighter, a mixed martial arts fighter, is willing to sacrifice all of that and you spend one hour of every week thinking about spiritual things, that's a reality that you're going to have to face. And you have to look at James, too, and you have to say, is James talking about me? Am I saying that I have faith, but I don't have any works behind it? I don't have any fruit. Now, this is the thing. My son took 24 hours to pop out. It's maybe taking you guys some time, right? Because I do. I do see, I do see the God moving in your life. I do. But week after week after week, when I have these deep discussions with you, I have a lot of conversations with each of you. It's the same thing. I'm not disciplined enough. I'm too lazy. I want to read the Bible. I want to pray, but I just don't. I just can't. I just... I know I should read, but uh, it's too hard. I, I'd rather watch YouTube. That needs to stop. If, you, if you're going to say that you're a Christian, then be a Christian. And I'm not going to say you're going to succeed every single day. You're like, I'm going to pray every single day for the rest of my life, and I'm going to read the Bible every single day. I'm going to do that. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Moving towards strides. What if, what if a child was first starting to learn how to walk and they, they tumbled and fall and we're like, you failure, you loser, right? It's a baby trying to learn how to walk. It's like toddling, right? What do we do whenever a baby, when a baby tries to walk? One step, you're like, my son is a genius, right? He's going to be an Olympian. Did you see him, right? And that's what we do with one another. We get so, so excited, but we continue to desire that moving and walking around for you guys. Don't stay infants forever. Don't refuse to come out of that, that birth canal. Don't get stuck. The Lord is trying to push you out. Right? And the way, you, the way you do it is by doing ministry. Right? The way you do it is by living in a community. You do. Like, like you know, babies, whenever they are around other, other babies, like um, Ella learned how to walk a lot faster with Josiah because Ella saw Josiah walking and she wanted to walk like Josiah. Babies that get potty trained faster when there's other babies that are potty trained. It's, this is weird. They eat better. They sleep better. Everything's better when other babies are around. Now, when you have five babies, everything is worse. But that's just me, okay? For you guys, when you are around each other, you guys constantly encourage each other and challenge each other. But don't, don't come to me and think, it's okay for me to be stuck in the canal. Don't. 
Now, you should talk to me, talk to me about it, but it should be like, oh, well, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear, Howard, I'm stuck in the canal. <laughs> I'm stuck in the birth canal. Tell me how to get out. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear, tell me how to get out. Howard, Howard who, who do you think I can ask to hold me accountable? That's what, I want to hear that. Oh, Howard, I want to start reading the Bible. I'm going to be reading the Bible. Tell me what book to read. Oh, Howard, I know that I'm not committed. I only come to church once a month, but because I want to follow Jesus, I'm going to come to church every week no matter what. Or I'm going to come to college group every week because I have a lot of you guys coming to my church. You guys come once a week. Or once a week. That's okay. Once a week is okay. <laughs> once a month. And that's not okay. Be committed. And it drives me crazy when you don't come to church because you slept. Because you made stupid decisions the night before decided to go to bed at four in the morning. Right? There is no good reason. And, and sometimes I feel bad saying, hey, you know what? You're committed. Come. Do this. Do the right thing. Right? Because it sounds like I'm just trying to benefit myself, but I'm not. I know that when you guys come to church, when you gather around, when you encourage each other, challenge each other, you hear what I'm saying. You, you, I know you've already had that seed in your heart where you have that faith. You want to continue to grow. Then all of a sudden you hang out with people and then you grow. It's that simple. You just grow. You want to do the mission of God? You better start as a, uh, start as a Christian. Not as that guy on that ad. Right? Because it's very tempting to be the, gr the gringo, whatever, the, the honorary gringo something, savior. Right? It's really easy to fall into that trap. But you've got to start with your faith and start to obey. So I'm not trying to, like, challenge you guys to change the world, 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 because there's usually echoes on that part. I just want you to simply follow the Lord and to do it well. And for me, my wife will tell you I struggle all the time. But one thing that I know about myself is that I, I'm not satisfied with staying there. And it's not just because I'm a youth pastor. I just refuse to stay down. I refuse to, like, you know, if I fail, I get up. If I sin, I get up. And some of you guys are struggling with sin. You guys know what your sins are. And you don't tell anybody about those sins. That's a problem. I'm not saying you should tell everybody, hey, everybody, Facebook, I just want you to know that I sinned. But, like, if you really, really struggle with sin, you have older brothers and sisters in Christ that can encourage you. Because there are some, some sins that are really, 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 really dangerous. Now, everyone's like, oh, well, all sins are equal. Yeah, in, as far as separating you from God, sure. But the consequences of sin are very different. Just like uh, selling marijuana, right? There's a consequence to selling marijuana. You go to jail for a little bit, right? And then the consequence of murdering somebody. Yeah, they're both crimes. But the consequence of murdering somebody is far, far greater. There are certain sins in your life that, are, have, that have far, far, far um, more consequences. Anything that has to do with addictions, you need to talk to people. If you're addicted to your phone, electronics, if you're, listen, if you're addicted to pornography, if you're addicted to television like Netflix, watching hours and hours a day, if you're addicted to sleep where you have to nap and you just don't, you, you refuse to be on a schedule, if you're addicted to food and eating out, spending money, if you're addicted to shopping, if you're addicted to drugs, alcohol, any kind of these, these vices, then you need to talk to somebody because if you get over there, right, to the point where you're actually in addiction, you know what actually ends up happening? It begins to isolate you from everybody else. That's what addiction does, and we'll talk about that one other Sunday. But that's a big, big, big deal. So if you're beginning to feel like you're addicted to something, break it. You feel like you're addicted to League, and I know I harp on this all the time, like League of Legends, delete it. Sell your account. If you're addicted to, to party and going out, rip up your fake ID, never, never drink again. Just choose not to drink. 
Because it's worth it. It's worth it in your faith, right? If you decide that, you know, you, you, you are, you're a shopaholic and you're racking up debt, then you need to talk to somebody about how to save and how to give away money instead of just spending it on yourself. If you're addicted to porn, we have to talk. There are guys in here, we all struggle. All guys struggle. Your generation is going to be the generation that is the most dysfunctional in marriage. Your marriages will fail because of pornography addiction. This is a serious thing. Now, I bring this up. Some of you guys are young, and you're like, I don't want to hear about this. That's fine. But there are things that will stop you from growing in the Lord, will stunt you and kill you. Okay? And so we have to talk about those things. That's what the body is for. You want to do the mission of God? Start with your faith. Start by committing to obey. Start by getting out of the birth canal. Yeah? Tomorrow night, we're actually, uh, I'm sorry, Thursday night, we're actually going to have a, ch- a chapel. We're going to set up a chapel with a cross. And we're going to have an extended worship time. And we're going to offer you guys a, a time to respond. And this usually means when we start praying for each other, everybody weeps and cries. This is what we do in our church. I don't know why. It's really weird. But I, I don't mind it. It's fine. You guys can cry and pray. But, but I want you really to take that time and say, you know what? I'm going to spend some time at, before the altar and I'm going to re- re-evaluate my life and the mission of God and, and how I participate. You're going to spend time praying there. And leaders are going to come and pray for you. And hopefully you, we, you will pray for leaders. Because I think all of us struggle in this idea of following the Lord fully. Yeah? And so begin to kind of think in, in, in terms of that, that there is going to come a response time, and we're going to have communion together to remind us that we are the body, and that we're partaking of Christ's suffering, it's communion, right, and doing that together, and coming before the altar. That's what we're going to do, okay? So just keeping all that in mind. And if there's any of you guys that ever want to talk, like you hear tonight, you hear last night, um, tomorrow, the next day, you want to talk, please, please, please come and talk. Um, st- all the staff would love to talk to you, all the leaders, everybody. Talk. Talk to your room leader. Talk to your room about it during reflections. Just saying, you know what? I'm really struggling with my faith, and I really want you guys to pray for me. Do that. Do that, and God will start to change your life. Okay? Is that good? Let me pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, thank you that, <clears throat> that you have the power to change our life. But that you also, also ask us to give up everything, just like the rich young ruler. Lord, help us to be the kind of people that have the hearts that are filled with faith to follow you in all things, to lay down the things in our life that keep us from you, to be able to attack sin, Lord, not to be okay with, with sin running rampant in our life. Lord, that we would rearrange our life that we might live the mission of God fully. To be far more mature than our, uh, than our age. To be lovers of you. To never be stuck in the birth canal again. And to follow you hard all our lives. And remind us, God, that it is faith that saves us and not works, but the work is the fruit. Help us to be fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen.